three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to System of the Soul. Chris White and Benj Miller coming at you today. Um, and we're excited. We've got Christopher Carter with us today. Uh, Christopher is the owner of This Epic Life. Uh, he is an executive coach and the author of Permission to Glow, a spiritual guide to epic leadership. Christopher, otherwise we're going to call you KC because you gave us permission. Casey, how you doing, man? Welcome to System of the Soul. I'm doing great. It's great to be with you guys today. Thanks for having me on. I want to dive in. Yeah. So let's start, let's start with what is a, everybody knows what kind of a, a business coach looks like executive coach, excuse me, but yeah. what is a meditation guide for organizations? Maybe I didn't even say that right, but what does that look like? Sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's actually the job description that I never got any type of manual for on how to create. It's, it's definitely the work that chose me. I get it that my, my approach to it is kind of a unique, somewhat of a unique animal. And, um, but essentially on, on paper, I am an executive coach and I call it my Trojan horse. Uh, cause once I get in the walls of an organization, I give them what they actually need. And one of the, uh, one of, one of, I think the beautiful little secrets in coaching is that, there's no such thing as executive coaching versus life coaching versus business coaching. I think it's all kind of life coaching. Um, most of my clients, uh, their lives are highly integrated with their businesses and they can't really separate those two. So they might bring me in under development leadership budgets or executive coaching budgets, uh, which is great for my business. Um, however, most of our conversations end up being about how, um, they're, they're, they're usually trying to overcome some sort of capacity issue, like lack, lack of time, not enough time, not enough resources. And I, I use meditation as a tool to just create some, some focus, some discipline, and, um, and also a lot of just, uh, you know, internal awareness. And at the heart of coaching is just creating new levels of awareness. So I, I've just been kind of tasked with kind of integrating those things, meditation and coaching. That's really cool. So as, as you do that, I know that you, one of the things you bring people to is their four common frenemies or saboteurs, yeah, you yeah. know, talk, talk about those. What are, what are those yeah. guys that we're dealing with all the time? Yeah. These, uh, I'm holding up this, uh, bookmark and the, uh, I had a friend of mine who's a comic book artist for Marvel comics, draw these, these frenemies, uh, there's four of the most common ones. And these are kind of the shadow sides of what I talk about in the book are, are the four permissions, the permissions being the access points into claiming and reclaiming our own power. These four common frenemies that show up. First of all, I started calling them frenemies because I started thinking back to high school, you know, those those people that you hang out with that you're not sure if you're, they're on your side or not. Do oh, they yeah. serve me? Are they with me? Oh, yeah. Are they against right, me? Right. 100%. And, yeah. And we all have these kind of shadow characters, these saboteurs. Sometimes in coaching, they're referred to as survival mechanisms. These kind of um, personas we slip into to protect ourselves. And the most common ones I, 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 I spend a lot of time with as a coach, especially a coach of very high achievers is speedy rabbit. Speedy rabbit is like the, 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 the person that wants to go faster than everybody else, then judge everybody for not keeping up. Uh, they're usually over caffeinated all the time. Uh, game face who's afraid to share their authentic vulnerability. They, 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 they hide behind this veneer of 
all fine here. I got this, you know, and you know that something's going on under the surface. Uh, the Phantom Pest, you you might know this one. Um, it's like the classic swooper and pooper, like the total control freak that obsesses over little things like PowerPoint fonts instead of doing the big thing they should be doing. And then Dark Star, who just refuses to accept help from their team. Uh, so I, I I wanted to call these out kind of early in the book as just just a way to let people know I see you. I I, I work with all of these in my own with with myself and my own coach uh and that from and from that point of awareness we could get into the permissions so hold up before we go there tell me a little more about that fourth one and why why yeah. you named it that yeah dark star is uh well first of all it was perfectly defined by by the uh uh the people that that like literally write the dictionary the, a dark star is a vacuous mass at the far end of the galaxy that um is eclipsed by the light of other stars and when i started thinking about you know kind of like one of the final gateways in leadership it's to expand our capacity to accept more assistance more support from everybody around us to develop like the selfless act it takes to, to develop the leaders hire people that are more talented than you develop those leaders to step forward and uh, maybe ultimately make yourself obsolete. And that takes a lot of humility and, and, and some courage. And, you know, it's something that I think that most leaders at some point in their career have to tackle. But yeah, I, I lovingly gave it the name Dark Star. So yeah, when I call it out great. with my clients, I'm like, oh, you're, I see a little bit of Speedy Rabbit today or a little bit of Dark Star. They're like, ooh, yeah, you nailed it. You know, it's, it For just sure. becomes a common language to help us see yeah. what's in our way. So for most executives, are they, do you see their key to personal breakthrough uh, coming to grasps or, or breaking through one of those four frenemies? Definitely. And I mean, and we all have a bunch of very unique wily coyotes on our own that we create through a, a lifetime of protecting ourselves and, and working with our fear, you know, at the, at the core of creating any lasting personal change or expansion in your business is that you know, we have to confront these things that spook us, you know? So to, to answer your question, some of these are, are kind of ascending gates of claiming their own power. So Speedy Rabbit, I start with because in, until we're willing to slow the hell down a little bit, we're probably not willing to see what's actually in our way. So I usually use that one right out of the gate with people to just launch a missile of like, hey, why don't we slow down here and actually have a real conversation versus that thing we do, the bada bing, bada, you know, prove yeah. how smart we are, keep moving fast and talk about do, do, do. So, so yeah, it, it is one of the four, but it's also some combination of all the four. Hey, podcast listeners, Chris White here. I want to challenge you with something today. Now, this might sting a little bit. You ready? All right, here it is. Are you limiting your capacity as a leader? We know you're experienced in the world of business, entrepreneurship, and leadership development. We know you're smart, intentional, business-savvy folks. But are you playing too small? One of the greatest steps you can take after years of leading a company or organization is to become a coach for other businesses. I've been a business coach for over 20 years after a 20 year corporate career. And I'm here to tell you, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. It is the most rewarding and gratifying thing that I have ever done in my career. And this is also why Benj Miller and I created System and Soul. 
We're training coaches right now to help small businesses everywhere experience breakthrough in both the system and the soul side of their business. If you're ready to expand your capacity and create impact like never before, then let's go. Get on my calendar, let's book a call, and I'm happy to introduce you to System and Soul. For more information, visit systemandthesoul.com forward slash coach and set up your phone call today. All right. So tell us about the four permissions. I assume this is the antidote. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice, but uh, yeah, these, the, the permissions are essentially practices and, you know, first of all, it's, it's not my place to give anybody permission. My, my client base are uh, fully capable of achieving some pretty amazing things. They're pretty solid on getting stuff done. Um, so these are my invitations to, to give themselves permission, you know, so permission to chill right. is just the ability to the willingness to slow down and to make peace with whatever rises up in the moment to test us. And that takes a lot of discipline to just pause, to be with what is, to notice when we're frustrated or notice, you know, when we're moving too fast and just, you know, be a little bit more thoughtful. Um, usually that opens the door for creating a meditation practice. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. It's created a lot of transformation in my life. And um, when, when we're able to create the practice, it, tends to up level a lot of other habits because it, it increases their discernment. They're able to see more clearly what serves them and what doesn't, you know, at first it's kind of painful because it creates a lot of hyper awareness. Like when you're used to moving a million miles an hour yeah, yeah. and you stop, it could be painful to see what's there. Well, I think that's part of the reason, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I'll, I'll go past the uh, willing to be vulnerable one and say uh, this, this one, <laughs> this is mine. And, and I'm, I, I can become consciously aware of it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I move so fast because I'm afraid of what's there. If I stop and pause and slow down for a minute, like within my own head, right? Like that's, yeah. that's real. Oh, oh, definitely. And, and I mean, and let's be honest, it, it's not all bad. I mean, it, it has, definite benefits and it gets a lot of stuff done and it produces very predictable, dependable results. That's why and it's a frenemy, right? To totally. <clears throat> and it, and it has a point of diminishing returns, you yeah. know, like when, yeah. whether at the core of that, for a lot of people, it's some sort of mortality complex, like pausing or stopping equals yeah. death. And, you know, in coaching, another way I call it out is I call it shark energy. So when these people can't, you know, they can't understand why they're somehow pushing everybody away and making everybody sweat and stressed out. It's because they have this shark energy at all times. And, you know, I, I always have to notice it in myself. I'm in a very busy time in my career with this book stuff. Yeah. And it just, it's just that reminder, like, okay, the grounding, grounding has to happen at some point, slowing down, yeah. touching stone, whatever that looks like, even right. just getting out into nature just reminds us that, that we can shift, shift gears a little bit. It's really another nice way for leaders, you know, to demonstrate to everyone else, right. And yeah. give your, like, give everyone permission to chill. Well, well what's, I think, and you nailed it, Chris. I mean, what I think is most impressive about really seasoned leaders, if you really pay attention, they tend to be pretty light touch, high leverage. Yep. And they have this elegant kind of cadence and tempo about them. And they do give us that kind of soothing feeling, that grounding feeling of, okay, everything's going to be all right. I don't need to live in the fire drills. Nobody's going to die today. 
and um, you know, if, if we're lucky, we become seasoned or that gets beaten or tenderized into us over time. Um, but um, you know, there, I, I think that there's a lot of reasons if we look around to just kind of keep moving and keep moving fast. And a lot of it's based in some sort of fear. Mm-hmm. All right. Second permission. Permission to feel all the feels. This is a tough one for dudes. Yeah. Dudes might write this off as soft skills or, you know, thanks, no thanks. But all of my breakthroughs with my own coach over the last few years uh, and deepening my practice and certainly writing this book have been on this level of of giving myself permission to embrace my humanity. Um, we, we put on this armor, this veneer of being a superhuman and it's everywhere we look in our personal development culture. And, and there's nothing wrong with achiever culture. Like I grew up on that stuff. I love Tony Robbins. I've walked on fire. I love all of that stuff. You know, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, and also a lot of that eighties personal development stuff was really rooted in this, like, I got this stuff, like, um, human doing versus human being, yes. all, you yeah, know, yeah. A- achieving at all costs. So the invitation there with that permission is to just embrace your full humanity. And in doing so listen and tune into what your feelings are actually telling you, because when we just suppress them or drown them in alcohol or, or, or whatever, more work, we're not receiving that gift of the intuitive guidance that, you know, feelings are connected to root emotions. And, you know, um, it, it's when, when I coach, um, powerful women, they, they are definitely more disposed to having a pretty heightened sense of intuition. Cause they're in tune with that. They, they give voice to it. And w- what I've noticed with coaching men is if they're, if they have a slight openness to, to doing or giving themselves that permission, some major breakthroughs can happen. And it's not just the level of soft skills and we're all going to cry together. It's nothing like that. It's just to, to tune into what these emotions are telling me and how to act on them. That was good. Remind me, what was the uh, the nemesis, the the frenemy tied to? Yeah, game, game face, game, game face. face. Yeah. So, so, so oh, game, yeah, fa- game face. Game, game face is like the suburban housewife from the 1950s. Yeah. Like everything's great. There's no weeds in my garden. Or when I, <laughs> when I ask a CEO how it's going this quarter, if they say crushing it, I'm like, okay, let's have a talk <laughs> because I'm like, because I just know. I mean, cr- crushing what and how and mm-hmm. um, so <laughs> when um. When when we're, when we're willing to share that vulnerable, kind of scary, tender part of ourselves, it opens this door for people to step in and help us. And it's it's really a beautiful thing when you when you see people um, lean into that a little bit because I think we all do want to be connected to the people, especially as a leader, right? I mean, it, it, when you can when you can demonstrate that level of vulnerability in in front of your 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 peers, your people, yeah, you're leading. You're leading, you're, you're showing the way, you're setting the example, because it starts with you. You know, we we had um, um, uh, interviewed a, a gentleman and he talked about a survey of um, the two attributes that make a great leader, and they were inwardly sound and others focused. And, yeah, that's great. and that, that idea, you know, yeah, as guys, uh, okay, feelings, boop, shut it down, lock it down. <laughs> <laughs> Where yeah. are we going? But when you can get beyond that yeah. and you actually do it, you know, I always tell my leaders, all eyes are on you guys. And as you go, so go they. Yeah. And if we can get, especially the men, you know, to really right. demonstrate that level, that yeah. sends a wonderful message throughout the organization. It's incredible. I mean, 
empathy, just empathy alone for the amount of suffering that's taking place in our world right now mm-hmm. and the amount of stress that organizations are under, the amount of disruption, just having empathy, high EQ males uh, helps everybody out, you know, and, and when, when people write it off as a soft skill, it frankly just kind of pisses me off because mm-hmm. it takes yeah. incredible strength encourage to be in that place with another person who's suffering. And the easy thing to do is to just write it off and I got this and man up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, how is that working for us? You know? Um, so I, um, yeah, I love, I love what you shared. Hey, see if, if meditation might be the key to unlocking permission to chill, what's, what's kind of the key or tool that can get us, give us permission to feel all the feels. Yeah. So it's really the stage is set by meditation. And in this way, they are kind of sequential that if you're, if you're meditating and clearing that static that we all have in our heads, you're, you have a shot at hearing what your body is saying to you and your body speaks to you through your feelings, through your emotions. And, um, I I love this notice name and navigate little framework where to just notice the feeling, give it a name you know, just even, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh wrote this incredible book called Cooling the Fires, just about being angry. And how often as men, as men, do we find ourselves like raging and pissed off without the language to really say why yeah. or what yeah. it is? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what I started noticing was I'm more likely to, to, to go Yosemite Sam, blow my stack, raging Cajun. That t- time of day for me is somewhere between like work and dinner time. Like when the dog is biting your ankles to be fed. The kids are biting your ankles to be fed. There's dishes in the sink. You you're, you still have your head full of work stuff and yeah. then you got to get food on the table. That's, and just, but just noticing that time, it allows, so the practice to, to answer your question is to, you know, and, and I'm at the sink, you know, maybe doing the dishes is, is to, to get really tuned in with the warmth of the water, get really mindful, get very present. And then notice like, oh, I have a really short fuse right now. I am absolutely angry. And just even the acknowledgement of that is a starting point to starting okay. to work with it. You allow it to inform you versus just take you over and then lash well, and out. Get, and get stupid. Because the right. angrier it's shown, the angrier we get, the dumber we get. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, we, right? we actually use that language. We have a short fuse right now in my household. Like my wife and I mostly, not so much the kids, but that that's common language just to communicate to each other. Like I got no tolerance for all this crazy stuff right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is the the thing that game face would want to do would be to slap a happy face on it. Be like, okay, I'm clearly pissed. Why not just be happy? And it's like, well, you can't flip a switch from there to there, but yeah, you can no, notice. Where, yeah. You can notice where you are and then maybe work your way up into mild frustration into mildly peeved into neutrally bored. You know, you have to work your way up and, and, you know, just the awareness. And, and I think again, meditation really supports this, that, 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 uh, relenting discernment it gives you yeah it, it it allows you to see the full spectrum of where you could be and then navigate accordingly versus just the self-judgment we get like oh i shouldn't be angry right now or i shouldn't be sad or whatever yeah yeah that's so good all right permission number three Oh yeah. This is the main event permission to glow in the dark. This is the reason why most people hire coaches. I believe is for full expression with witnesses for us to do the darn thing we want to do, despite the ever present fear that always hangs nearby. 
and entrepreneurs are the most fun to talk to about this because they are well-versed in these areas. They're like the ski jumpers in the winter Olympics that fly off the ramp, leaning off the skis, you know, sailing down a mountain. And we don't know where these people got this risk tolerance from, you know? Um, but, but we know from doing it, that it's a muscle that you build over time. Yes. And, um, so permission to glow in the dark, I just define as, yeah, that full self-expression, despite the ever-present fear, the darkness will always be there. And sometimes the, the bigger we get, um, and the more we glow, the, the deeper, the darkness can get around us. The stakes always get higher, but that ability to work with that darkness to still do the, do the thing anyway, man, as you hit these and, you know, you've got such great language. Cause I, I think everybody can relate to all of these, maybe, maybe just some of them, but they're very, very relatable. And as I think about them and I think about my own journey, it's like, there's levels to each one of these, right? Like you think you oh, conquer yeah. this one and then a year later you're back and it's not the exact same issue. It's like the next level of it. And this one, you know, permission to glow in the dark. I think these are all like lifelong journeys, right? Oh gosh, it is. And it's, I, I love, I love that you tapped into that because I, I, I chose the language very specifically. I used to think glowing in the dark was like, you know, screw everyone. I'm just going to be who I want to be. You know, no, no apologies. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I'm me. <laughs> right. Exactly. But the, the willingness to do the thing that we're here to do, that we're called to do, that's a true act of courage and yeah. it's a true act of audacity. And sometimes that could strike like a lightning bolt. So it's represented as the lightning bolt in the book. And in other ways, it's like this pilot light that we somehow kept glowing from the time we were kids. We just nurtured it and it kept growing and evolving over time. So these things can erupt as like an all of a sudden arrival point, or they can also build and gain intensity with each year. But what I love about the, the framework is that as we deepen our expression in the outer world with our permission to glow in the dark, we can go back to that well and deepen our expression in the inner world through, through re relaxing more into our power, feeling into what it's asking of us now. Yeah. And, I, and I keep finding that all these things are very much interrelated. So what advice would you give somebody that... I, I I think you're right. The people you get to work with, the people we get to work with, they've been exercising this muscle to a place where it's like, oh yeah, I got to use this muscle again. But there is a huge amount, let's go a little broader, of our population. Sure. And, and these people exist within our senior leadership teams as well, who have, whether it's trauma or failure or personality, they, have, they haven't exercised that muscle in a really, really long time. Where do you start? Yeah. You know, I had to write about trauma. I, I do coach people with some pretty serious trauma and, you know, trauma is all too common in our, in our society, you know, especially sadly for women. Um, and I, I covered it a lot in the permission to feel all the feels because what, when you turn on those faucets, whether it's positive or negative emotion, if you have trauma at some point, like a rusty gunky tar hawker will come out of that faucet, you know, or like a rusty old, you know, a uh, chunk of metal and trauma is also, we all have some form of trauma and I'm not trying to equate, um, certainly anybody who endured, you know, horrific trauma with, with, with my own. Um, however, that is another point that I notice in coaching is that it becomes an invitation to work with it. All of us have some sort of dark, thing in our way, you know, and, and sometimes that's a traumatic event. And sometimes it's a traumatic story. We just keep practicing for ourselves and, and who knows what's real anymore based on how we 
kind of write that to our hard drive. Mm. But, but to answer your question, I would say I would get any of my um, clients to just, just the willingness to look there and to see what they find. And in the book, I cover a lot too, that all of us have some sort of, I, I jokingly call it the big honking dream. Um, you know, rather than just saying Western term, totally, totally, because what what I don't want to do is like, if if we just speak on the level of the brain, most people are are business leaders, but like, I got these smart goals and these KPIs, and I'm just going to crush my smart goals. And and, and they start going to this Android place. Right. But when I say, bro, slow down, what's your big honk and dream? They're like, Whoa, big honk and dream. Or I'll say, what's your secret wish? You know, they'll be like, oh my God. And they start, they, their little kid sparks come alive and they say, I always wanted to do this or that. And, and I believe we all have that. And just like we might all have trauma, we also have that unlimited possibility, big honk and dream thing. So if I was working with somebody who is really in their way with the trauma thing, I would get them attuned to what that unleashed possibility could look like and navigate towards that. And in doing so, yes, the trauma and all the things will come up in the way because they always do. The darkness is always around the globe, you know, and it's a really fun, deep conversation to have to, to really see what's in that way. All right. Permission to chill, permission to feel all the feels, permission to glow in the dark and permission to glow in the light. Oh gosh. This one, I, I always have to like kind of fan myself a little bit. Woo. Um, because this one was the hardest thing I've ever had to perceive or to write about. Um, and by perceive, I meant that it's, it's of a higher vibe, you know, like most of us are used to the human condition, which is to conquer fear, work with fear, do the thing one step forward, two steps back, three steps sideways, glowing in the light, as I define it is the power of a collective of people, usually leaders or people who have done that earlier work of glowing in the dark chilling feeling, those people are less concerned with competition. They are more concerned with collaboration and upliftment. And I think that if our our creator would want anything from us, it would be to transcend competition for collaboration. You know, if we look around our world, we've gotten pretty effective at creating some pretty big disasters. And the only way we could start tackling some of these is through collaboration. So I, I started picturing, you know, what, what do a group of beacons, lighthouses, shoulder to shoulder look like unobstructed by one another's darkness or glow, you know, not, not triggered by comparison, not feeling that we need to compete with them for resources. And that's permission to glow in the light. Very cool. And what's maybe the, the tool or practice or idea that helps us exercise that permission? I think it's empowering others at all costs. Uh, you know, hooking your big honk and dream to the the larger cart, or I'm sorry, hooking your cart to the larger horse of the universal good. You know, how does this serve the universal good? Being in service of others, uh, everyone around you, from your family to your work family to you know your community. I, I think that the pandemic in part was sent to help us learn this lesson. You know, it's a, at the very core, it's very simple. Just think of others before yourself. Radical concept, right? Uh, and, we still, and, and, and we could still see how many of us struggle with that. You yeah, know, yeah. that like, oh, I shouldn't have to wear a mask in here. I'm at a, you know, I'm at Kid Rock's bar. I want to be able to drink beers with Kid Rock. It's like, well, why not, why not think of somebody else first? So that, that's, that's what I would start with. It's just developing others, letting them lead, letting them step forward and realizing that as, as you 
empower other people glowing mm. that naturally comes back to you in a myriad num- like number of ways. Casey, what do you what do you want your readers to take away from this book? I think at the at the core at the core of the book, the purpose is peace. And and I know that might sound like lofty or hippie or namby pamby, whatever, but peace is radical in this day and age. You know, if, if I could give my clients one thing through all of our work together, it's that moment of deep peace where they are they are at peace with their path. Their, their career has been elevated into a vocation, a mission, a purpose. And I feel like all of those roads lead back to peace. You know, so it, it's I want them to feel that they can breathe. There's time to create what they're here to create. There's, you know, ancient proven scientific practices that have been around for thousands of years that could support doing this thing in this chaotic environment. Oh yeah. And it can be a peaceful, joyous journey. Yeah. I love that. You know, I'll, I'll share a, you know, quick story. You, you, you were talking about the meditation side, right. Um, and, and giving your person, yourself permission to chill. Um, I was, I was in a, a year long leadership training course, um, with, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann and he, he has rooftop leadership and, yeah. um, huge proponent of, of journaling, of meditating and warrior breathing. So, so here's where it comes in that, that idea of peace, right. And, and maybe another in harmony, just, you know, things are in sync, right. When, when I have to get an MRI, I freak out. Right. And I have it's like to, the claustrophobic too. Yeah. Right? So I'm 6'3, 270. I, I'm all squeezed in there like sausage, right? And I freak out. I, I have an anxiety attack, right? And I've always had to take med- uh, medication. My wife would always have to drive me. And uh, so I've been in this year long leadership training. And I learned, you know, some meditation, warrior breathing. And so I, I won't get into the detail of it, but I was able to, I told my wife, I've been in this training for a year and I've got to get an MRI and I'm going to use that as the, the testing grounds for my warrior breathing. Wow. Right. And, and it took me a month to get this MRI scheduled. And, you know, if you, I can't bail on it, I got to do it. Right. So I got into my my cadence of breathing while I was inside the tube and I, I felt the anxiety. I just felt it all building up, right? So I doubled down and I just remembered my cadence. And pretty soon I found my heart was, you know, like at a yeah. resting heart rate. And my body started to, to sort of just kind of conform to the tube I was in. I wasn't fighting it anymore. Um, but then I got cocky. And I'm like, I'm going to stop doing the cadence. I got this. I'm good. So I stopped doing the, 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 the breathing. Fairly quickly, I could feel my whole body tensing up and just, I was, and I just get right back into the cadence of breathing. And the next words I heard were, Hey, Mr. White, we're all done. You did a great. That was 45 minutes later. Wow. Yeah. So it's the first time in my life I've ever been able to apply that to, 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 to get chill, man. And well, what's, what's amazing about that, what you did is you, you kind of shifted your relationship to time when you, so much of time, it's a scarcity construct like money, you know, so time, there's never enough time. So we get that heart beating anxious, you know, 
some, we're going to lose a lot of good men out here type of feeling. And when, by, by slowing down the breathing, slowing down the heart rate, you can shift your relationship to time. I call it time bending and time. You could speed time up for something that you, this is Wait a minute, am I a time you. bender? You could be. Sounds like it. But, but the, the ninja move, Chris, is to slow it down and savor other things. So like there's things you want to speed up that are uncomfortable, but there's other things that, you, you know, like when you're having an incredible moment with, you know, your family or, or you just like, a, a, you know, with a client, like something that's really special, there's ways that we could use breathing to slow down. I mean, one, one of the essential tools I talk about a lot, and it's very simple, you've probably heard of it is four, seven, eight breathing, just in for four counts through the nose, hold for seven counts expel the breath through the mouth for eight counts. That's what I was doing. Yeah, exactly. Four cycles of that takes 57 seconds and you will be a different person at the end of those 57 seconds. If you're just taking the time to breathe and you're, what you're doing is you're enforcing rhythms on the involuntary nervous system that just wants to run amok and drag you around by your hair. So you're, you're slowing it all down saying, I'm the ghost in the machine. Everything is fine. You're telling your body that's fine. And then your body will have that same response. I mean, it's yeah, we, we can self-soothe just like babies do, you know, we're just larger babies. We just need to remember to practice. That's right. Hey, see, I feel it's so fun to find like kindred spirits. I feel like we could hang out forever. Um, I want to ask you two questions as we wrap up. One, tell us when and where we can get this book. And secondly, I'm just going to give you the mic for a second. If there's one thing you want us to know, leave us with a piece of encouragement, wisdom, advice, whatever it is. What's your message for us today? Mm, all right. So I'll, um, I'll start, I'll start with the advice and then I'll I'll finish with where, where to find the book. Um, I am super excited about the book because, you know, every, every once in a while in a generation, you, you realize that your, your job is to kind of rearticulate ancient truth that's been around for a reason, you know? So like I grew up on the seven habits of highly effective people. I love the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm -hmm. Um, these just landmark essential books. And, you know, I'm not trying to put mine on that level, but the, the four permissions are basically just yoga for a modern context. And if we're willing to tap into something bigger than ourselves, I think we trip over it all the time. And this is what I would invite people to do is to just consider yourself rather than being, you know, a lonely Island or, or just a ship out at sea being tossed by all these waves that, I mean, look around climate change, divisive civil discourse or non-civil discourse. Um, you know, all the, all these things that we're afraid of that, that we're living through right now, consider that you could be just one wave on this vast ocean of some sort of benevolent consciousness, whether you want to call that God or spirit, whatever that is that unifies us, the only peace of mind I find in this turbulent age we're living in is that. And at the core of that is yoga is the, is the practice it takes to just remember that I am not just the wave. I am also the ocean. And it's something my teacher Paramahansa Yogananda taught. And I just love to pass along that reassurance that anytime we feel uh, completely lost and separate, that we are part of some bigger integrated system. Good stuff. That's awesome. Where do we and get the book? The book can be found at permission to glow book.com. I'm super excited about the trailer and all the packages. There's a lot of eighties pop culture references in it, believe it or not. And, uh, I wanted to put a lot of sugar in there to make the medicine go down. So it's got a lot of just ridiculous 
80s Gen X vibes, like a lot of guitar, a lot of Back to the Future references, and uh, all that comes through in the packages. So everyone can check that out at permissiontoglowbook.com. So great. Thanks, KC, for hanging out with us. Oh, super fun. Love meeting you guys. Thanks a lot. System and Soul, we'll see you next week. <laughs>